We are open for business. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me. The first open practice of training camp. In other words, what we see, we can say, finally. So what did we see? Who was where? Who stood out? But first, DJ Humphreys, unfiltered. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 654, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a five. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. So this is why we need D.J. Humphreys to remain healthy all season long. He addressed the media post-practice on Thursday. One, Danny, it's just good to see him. He's 100% healthy. The back injury is completely behind him. Knock on wood, that stays not only during training camp, preseason, and 17 games in the regular season, but his personality. It just it shines. He is... I think maybe the most personable guy in that locker room. He walked into the press conference Thursday, and as reporters are setting down their recorders on the podium, you can go back and watch the live stream on the Cardinals' YouTube channel. He makes a jab and says, hmm, back in my day when I was, you know, have to take notes, I actually had to use like a pen and paper. I didn't get to have a recorder. And then he followed up by saying, yeah, but that was actually when I, you know, would go to class. (laughs) Yeah. How often did the Cardinals starting left tackle actually attend class. I think he did quite Florida. fine though. I think he did just well. But yeah, but back in my day, I mean okay, not my day, maybe your day because probably around the same age. Yeah. I want to date myself here. But yeah, everyone's got recorders. No one takes no one no one has pen and paper anymore. Darren Urban does. Again. He does supplementally to his recorder. My generation. <laughs> Not your generation. <laughs> That's fair. No, it was great to to have DJ come out and talk with us, and it's great to see him out and healthy. That's not something we'd seen for the last calendar year, really, on a consistent basis. Um, and, it, and it was good to hear him say that he is fully healthy and that you don't really know that, he's, DJ said, until you get that first bull rush. So the fact that he's gone through two practices now, he said he didn't feel like he was taking a step and had to pause and think, hmm, is this going to hurt when I move? He said he felt totally great, which is great, great news. Yeah, quote, this is the first time I've taken live reps and not feeling any pain. And then he brought up later on, he is, quote, super healthy. And again, you need DJ Humphreys healthy, period, for this Cardinals team to be successful in 2023. He also felt very comfortable speaking to the media. By my counts, maybe you have a different counts, what, two, three different expletives? What were the expletives? Let's make our producer, Jim Mahondro, <laughs> work a little harder. What were, the, what were those expletives, Craig? Um, I believe they are part of the seven words you can't oh, say. Oh, so they had to be bleeps. I believe, let's see, uh, one starts with an F, another one starts with an S. Mm. But he made it very clear. Quote, we don't give a blank about outside expectations. That seems to be a theme within this Cardinals team, whomever you talk to. That's what I would want to hear. Because honestly, what good does it do to listen to those expectations and get in your head? Think about where we were as, as the media and, and out, not just us, but you know, outside those expectations at this time last year. 
what were the expectations of the team with the previous coaching staff and all the veterans that have been brought in? And how did this team live up to set expectations? So the expectations really don't mean bleep to to agree with DJ Humphreys there. And, and that's what you want. You want them zeroed in and, and focused on what's going on in the locker room, out on the field, not what people are saying with expectations. And, and you never know, right? I mean, crazy things happen of expectations. I mean, you know, Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow had an apparent injury out at practice and was carted off today. So so crazy things can happen. So I, I don't really think that expectations, especially this early on, would really benefit any player on any team to pay attention to those. Look, it has happened in 18 of the past 20 seasons in which a team goes worst to first within its own division. Jacksonville, the most recent example. It is possible when you win four games – Anything can happen. Now, again, our expectations, maybe not. But you have to, as a player and as a coach in that locker room on that sideline, yeah, that's what you have to mentally think so you don't get those expectations and all of a sudden it's like, what am I even doing? Why do I even care? And you know what, though, is is they do care because there is no allegiance to any of these players who are returning with this coaching staff. So that's why I do think that it really doesn't matter what the expectations are. These players are, which they say every year, but truly going to go and, and give everything they have because who knows what, what things could look like moving forward with this new front office and new coaching staff. So even if you're a player and you've been here, you have to come and you have to give your best and you have to show out and earn your spot moving forward on this team. The ninth training camp for D.J. Humphreys, who will turn 30 on December 28th. Yeah, the uh, little pup is no longer a pup. He is a veteran in that offensive line room, which is a great transition here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. It is 2023 Cardinals training camp powered by Cox. As I mentioned, Thursday, the first open practice, fans in attendance. Now just 10 more open practices remaining here at State Farm Stadium. So when you have an open practice... That means it's open for everyone to see what we have seen in the offseason, just couldn't say it out loud, or in the case of our colleague Darren Urban, write it. But we did get a little bit of a glimpse on what potentially this offense and defense will look like. And we talk about DJ Humphreys. Yes, he's starting at left tackle. And you talk about the offensive line, period, the position battles. What stood out to you? Who did you see at certain positions along that offensive line? The offensive line seems to be one of the positions where you get a feel that the starters you're seeing early in camp could very likely unless somebody just absolutely shines throughout camp. The offensive line starters we've seen in the first two practices feels pretty likely those are going to be your starters come week one. I'm not sure you can really say that about every other position. I think some parts on defense, again, we got a good feel, which we'll talk about later on. But but the offensive line, what it looked like left to right was DJ Humphreys, Elijah Wilkinson, Yelda Froholt, Will Hernandez, Paris Johnson Jr. And so that's kind of what the feel that we got throughout the offseason. But, but to see that consistently so far given, it has only been two days. They don't have pads on yet. So this is still very early in this. But, but I do feel like that's what the offensive line is going to end up shaking out to look like 
And it's really not surprising from what we had seen throughout the rest of the offseason. I think there are still question marks. We'd seen Dennis Daly fill in at left guard. The fact that the Cardinals um, brought in a veteran center in Pat Elfline. There are still opportunities for things to change. But I think the big question would be how much of a competition is there going to be at right tackle with the rookie and Paris Johnson and with Kelvin Beecham? And maybe there still will be, but it, but Paris Johnson has been getting those reps with the starters the last two days. Two caveats. One, it's early. And as you mentioned, the pads have not come on. And when you are practicing in pads, who stands out, who wilts under that pressure? Guys start to separate themselves because this is a physical game. But your starting offensive line, that is the baseline. Now, second team, left to right, Josh Jones, Dennis Daly, John Gaines, Marquise Hernandez, Marquise Hayes, excuse me, and Kelvin Beecham. Now, Pat Elfline is right now fifth among the five centers, although he did take a snap at center late in practice during 11-on-11. But And I think, I don't know if that's more because he just got here. He's been working more at guard, whether it's left or right. Do we see him move up that depth chart to challenge Yelda for a hole. Right, I do think that's fair. Is, is he literally just got here, and that's a difficult time to have to come in with everything going on and all the meetings and everything else and really trying to get caught up. But but I do see him moving up that depth chart and giving a little more competition, whether that is at the center position or maybe at left guard. Staying on that line of scrimmage, if you will, tied in with Zach Ertz on PUP, Trey McBride, and, yeah, maybe it's too early for Pat Elfline. It's not too early, though, for Jeff Swain to sit there and get several first-team reps and be that blocking tight end while Trey McBride can be more of the pass-catching tight end. That was something that kind of surprised me on Thursday of day two of Jeff Swain being an Arizona Cardinal and him getting those those high reps. But, you know, I think when you look at the rest of the room, it, it makes sense with experience and a blocking or catching tight end and that was something that head coach Jonathan Gannon talked about in his presser before practice was asked about Jeff Swaim and and kind of adjusting and he was saying it's been very impressive the way that he's been able to come in Gannon said he looked up at one point in practice and was like oh Jeff Jeff Swaim is already getting right in there and, and getting those reps so that's impressive it's not easy to come in but I also think that's probably why you signed him that's what that's what you expected was for him to be able to come in and kind of be able to get right to it. 6'4", 260 versus McBride, who's 6'4", 246. But you watch them or you see them side by side, and there is a considerable difference in how they look. And again, maybe McBride can become that blocking tight end. I'll say this. He did have a nice chip and then release. He chipped Cameron Thomas and then released and caught a nice pass on a rollout during 11-on-11. And that might be where he is most effective as far as yeah, you might see him split as a wide receiver or on the slot, but if he is going to get in a three-point stance, it's all right, let me make contact with that edge rusher and then break free. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to see how this team will use Trey McBride if Zach Ertz is not ready to start the season, especially now that you have Joe Swain. Are you, are you going to adjust him in any fashion? Because if Zach Ertz comes back, are you going to have to use Trey McBride differently? Or based on the skill set, are you going to try and do more of a Zach Ertz, Jeff Swain pairing? I think there's going to be a lot of questions there. It all just kind of depends on Zach Ertz's 
health and his ability and how quickly he can come back. I'll say this, Ertz, though, present, watching, getting those mental reps, not like uh, just like Kyler Murray continues to do. And who knows how long either one of those guys have to sit and wait before they can actually participate on the field. And the third player on the physically unable to perform list, the rookie outside linebacker in B.J. Ojolari, he's been out there getting reps. I saw today with – their position coach, Rob Rodriguez, was talking with Zayvon Collins, and he was talking to Ojolari, and it was explaining to Ojolari of what Zayvon did well, and the two of them explaining it to BJ of, this happened, so this is what Zayvon was able to do. This is how he beat his guy, really making sure he's getting whatever sort of mental reps he can, since he's not allowed to be out and actually practice with the team being on the pup list. Garrett Williams is the other player on the non-football injury list. All four are dealing with knee injuries, and with Ojolari, it was post-draft knee surgery, and with Williams, it was an ACL tear that he suffered in college so again we wait on all of those guys going back to the offense and what we saw because everyone is intrigued our own colleague Paul Calvisi fanning the flames of a backup quarterback controversy as he is definitely within earshot so yeah shout out to Polly Mustache well here's a question because it was Colt McCoy getting those first reps and then it was the rookie Clayton Toon yes. getting a lot of those second team reps do you think that's a situation of trying to see what you have in the rookie because you're likely going to decide between David Blau and Jeff Driscoll and not keep both of them. So do you think this is going to be Clayton Toons, just they're trying to see what they have in him, but he'll likely be your third quarterback come the start of the season, assuming Kyler Murray's not healthy? Or you think Clayton Toon might actually be making a push to be your second-string quarterback behind Colt McCoy? I think what you said Interesting. last. Interesting. He, he looked pretty poised. Again, they're not in pads. We're seeing very limited you know, movement and plays. But he did seem pretty poised and, and seemed accurate on the throws he was making. He's comfortable. He's confident. Again, from our vantage point on the sideline, the football looks good coming off his hand. It's a tight spiral. He did roll out. And I think we're seeing a lot more, whomever the quarterback is, a little bit more movement outside the pocket, which is something that I know a lot of fans have been anxious to see. But being able to roll out or do a bootleg rollout and go the other way and complete the pass, if you have the ability and the option to come watch in open practice, pay attention to what the quarterbacks are doing. Yeah, they're under center. They're still in shotgun, a little bit more balanced. But, yeah, I think you're going to see, and this for Kyler as well, slide that pocket one way or the other to give you just a little bit more time, and it's nothing against the O-line, but give a little bit more time for your pass catchers downfield to get open. Yeah, and I think when you're looking at the receivers, right, we saw Hollywood Brown starting with Rondell Moore. Zach Paschal had a pretty impressive catch in practice Thursday. A little bit of, of Michael Wilson. Um, so it's, it's just going to be continuing to see who's going to stand out again it's it's too soon of when you're going through drills the way they line up it's typically and in terms of you know if it's one or two players going at a time going through drills the order you go is typically veteran or experience status right so I'm not sure that when we see the pairing of Greg Dorch and Andre Pacelli going right behind Hollywood Brown and Ronda Moore that that's entirely accurate so it's just going to take a little bit of time I feel like to get a feel for what the starting receiver core is going to look like. If I'm going to say or give standout players in this first open practice, one we just mentioned, and that is Zach Paschal. He had a contested catch against Isaiah Simmons on the sideline in seven-on-seven. Seven. 
and then was on the receiving end of a deep pass from Clayton Toon in 11-on-11, beating Antonio Hamilton, who was in coverage. And then the other one was running back Keonta Ingram, who running on the right side, thanks to Will Hernandez and Paris Johnson blocking, looked very quick through the hole and downfield. Again, without pads, you're not tackling, you're not really stopping, but that's a question I know you've had as far as who is that second running back behind James Conner. 100% earlier on Thursday, Jonathan Gannon, I have no problems with handing the ball to number six all the time. Now, is that 25, 30 snaps? Not so many carries, but he's going to need a blow right now. Who is that? RB2. Especially after hearing that the goal, the plan is to run the ball more often in this offense. And with any running back, especially with an injury-prone running back and James Conner, you're going to have to find somebody else who you can also rely and supplement that with. And I think that Keontae Egram is a little shiftier, a little faster. And I think that the expectation is for him to make that leap heading into year two to be that guy behind James Conner. All right, let's switch it up. We talked about offense, unless there was something else offensively that stood out to you that you've been dying to say but couldn't because of offseason versus training camp. I don't think so. Am I forgetting something? Are you trying to team me up? No, and no, I'm no. just not, not working with you? No. Okay. It was good to have fans in attendance. It seemed to hype up James Conner. I did see him walk over to where the fans are, and all of a sudden they – responded and you got the chance out there so I'm expecting the number of fans to increase as we get closer to back together weekend on Saturday which is always a big weekend and then the red and white practice a week from this Saturday which is a always a kind of like a dress rehearsal if you will to what a regular season game might be for the players before they really start the regular season yeah I think after a play James went over there and everyone was chanting I think he threw a towel and then there was one on the 11 on 11 and, and you know they, they call the play dead but James continued to run into the end zone and, and the fans seemed to really like that to, to see to see him continue on the play all right defense here as far as the first open practice it's Cardinals covered two presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals defense a lot of question marks whether it's defensive line inside linebacker outside linebacker corner not so much safety we'll get into Buda Baker and some more news with him but defensive line where'd your eyes go I think just I don't know that they went anywhere specific. I think just kind of trying to see the rotation and seeing what they were doing with the linebackers. And I believe, if, if from what I was seeing, I'm pretty sure it was mostly Rashard Lawrence, Lucky Fotu, LJ Collier. Is that kind of what you were seeing as and well? And Jonathan Ledbetter right. as well. So two of the three that we did not see the entire offseason are sit there right there, plug and play again. Day one, no pads, but two of the or three of the four that you mentioned holdovers from last season. Right, Richard Lawrence, who has a, has had a hard time staying healthy enough to be able to play consistently, and so seeing him out there was good. And then, not really a surprise going right behind him in the linebackers, Kaiser White and Josh Woods. That's what we expected when they were signed here. Their history with Jonathan Gannon, Nick Rollis, your new defensive coordinator. Safeties, no, no question there. Great to see Buda Baker out there. I know we'll talk about probably why he's been so happy to be out there. Fans loved seeing him. I saw a lot of Buda jerseys and posters. Jalen Thompson, it was nice to see Isaiah Simmons kind of working in space. But cornerbacks was interesting to me because 
it seemed like Marco Wilson was consistently one of your starters, but it was not a starter I expected to see opposite from Marco Wilson. And it wasn't consistent enough to really get a feel. My point being, it was not Antonio Hamilton. He was not out there until like the third string. It was a little bit of Christian Matthew, a little bit of Keetrell Clark. It was a little bit of a mixture that I wasn't, again, maybe we are looking into something that is nothing quite yet, but that was surprising to me to not see Antonio Hamilton out there with the ones or twos. Also saw Nate Hairston out there getting a couple of first-team reps as well. Someone who ended last season on the practice squad injured reserve, but yeah, seeing number 13 out there getting a lot of run with the first team secondary, sixth round pick out of Louisville, 5'10", 181. But that's someone that we had heard about in the offseason that just seemed to be, yeah, you're a late day three pick. Maybe a diamond in the, in the rough, if you will. And again, it's early, but certainly first impressions are important. And I think he made a great first impression especially to the fans who were in attendance. I agree. I, I didn't see anything that stood out in terms of, you know, busted coverage or, you know, what would have been like an obvious penalty or anything like that, which is kind of what you look for. I mean, this time at camp last year, Christian Matthew was already wearing those those like glove pads because he kept holding. holding. Um, so we're not seeing anything of that quite yet. And, and while it's early, it has felt like good impressions. I uh, forgot to mention, obviously, Zabin Collins was one of your edge guys. And then it was mostly Jay Sanders, you know, a little bit of Cam Thomas, like you would expect, some Victor Dumakeji. Um, but again, that could all change depending on B.J. Ojolari's health. And not only that, but how much is he absorbing right now? How quickly can he get right into things? Well, I felt like it was pretty even when you were going on 11 on 11 and between offense and defense, right? There were some good passes, some good catches. I felt like the defense was just a little bit sharper. It just kind of felt like they were constantly on whether it was a run or the cornerback or the safety was right on the receiver when, when they caught the ball. It felt like they had a good, a good feeling of understanding what was happening, and it felt like they were just a hair quicker than the offense. Quick note on my Jay, he did exit practice early, seemed to be dealing with or the training staff was looking at his hand, so something to keep an eye on. But as far as defense, the big takeaway for me was seeing number 13 out there with the first team, and that is Keytrail Clark. And then with the expectation going in that your top two corners on paper, Antonio Hamilton and Marco Wilson, well – not the former, but yes, the latter. And Antonio Hamilton getting work with the second team. Isaiah Simmons, you brought him up. Sometimes we did see three safeties, but if it was just two, Simmons was the odd man out and working second team. Which is what you'd expect. I mean, it's it's not like he has that experience necessarily compared to Buda Baker or Jalen Thompson or the, the those two have been playing together for so many years and just understanding how they move and, and that dynamic duo there. So that doesn't really surprise me. All right. You brought it up. Give me the numbers. Buda Baker. Why did he have, in the words of JG on Wednesday, a, quote, big smile on day one of training camp? First reported by NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, Buda received a raise prior to camp, $2.4 million in bonuses and incentives, including a $300,000 signing bonus, plus a raise for next season. Now, there are some more details on that. His contract for next year is not guaranteed. There are some bonuses 
a part of next year. But it was not a new deal, not an extension, and not a trade. All things that Buddha had reportedly asked for in the offseason, but maybe a happy middle ground between team and player to say, all right, we'll put a little bit more coin in your pocket and let's revisit this discussion next offseason. This, to me, seems like the best-case scenario for both sides. Buda Baker has two years left on his deal. He has no leverage. It's, it's all in the team's hands. It's not like Buda Baker could have held out and not played because he's not in a contract year. So I like this move by general manager Monty Austin for to, to kind of show him that you are truly interested in keeping him here and keeping him happy and giving him something to kind of please him and his team, right? His agent of here, we'll give you a little something now. It kind of sounds like, right, we'll, we'll give you more. It's a pinky promise. We'll give you more next year. <laughs> pinky um, swear. Right? So, but it does feel like from both sides that they are truly trying to figure out ways that works to make this work that is best for both sides. Um, and, I, and I like this. I think this makes sense. I don't think it made sense for this front office to give him a new contract and set that precedent with two years left. You understand why as a player this is something they would want, um, especially, you know, before contract ends of your health and where your play's at and all of that. So, so I like this. I like giving Buda Baker a little something now um, and then focusing maybe on that contract extension or something completely new next year. Game day bonuses, off-season workout bonuses, incentives for reaching the Pro Bowl or first-team All-Pro. It's really not that much. It In the grand scheme of things, it's not. Again, when you, again, according to reports, you have your agent or someone saying you want to be the high, you either traded or become the highest-paid safety, and then all of a sudden, well, 2023 contract is guaranteed, which it was going to be anyway as long as he was on the roster week one. But next year's salary, 14.2, not guaranteed. But let's revisit this conversation in the offseason and see. I'll say this. Can And this is nationally, not the local media. Nationally. You talk about the disrespect that Buddha has felt, and he's expressed it on social media. Attention, national media. Buddha Baker wears number three. For how many years now? Several years. <laughs> and I don't know how many times it would – no, less than a handful, but any time more than once is a problem. But how many times we see the picture of him in a number 32. In fact, even on the NFL Top 100, they showed him in a number 32 uniform, and that set Buddha off on an Instagram disrespect rant. So it's not that difficult – to find updated photos, especially this is not a new thing. This is several years in the works. It should not be difficult, Danny, to find Buda Baker in a number three Cardinals uniform. It doesn't even have to be the new uniform. It can be last year's uniform or the year before that. Yeah. You should also go on a rant on social media. Back Buddha up. Oh, I do back him up on that because that just that, – what, what I is, agree, yeah. It's, it's lazy. It is. It is. It's lazy. Especially from Ian Rappaport. I'm sorry. Hugh started it posted a photo of buddha wearing 32 yeah not his number anymore no get with the times don't have to worry about that with you do i do no (laughs) don't worry about that i will always post a picture of buddha wearing number three cardinals training camp powered by cox it continues on friday another open practice and then on saturday back together weekend 
these open practices. There are 10 more. Parking is free. Admission is free. Digital tickets, though, are required. Go to azcardinals.com for more information. And in the first padded practice, the earliest padded practice, is Monday, July 31st. And, Danny, then we'll see if some guys start to separate themselves, especially offensive line, defensive line, and then the running backs picking up the blitz. That's where the fun begins. There won't be fighting. Jonathan Gannon said there's no tolerance for fights. We don't expect that, but we will see some fun. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.